copy of God's Word this morning and be turning to Genesis 35, and we're at the last message in our series on the life of Jacob. And I go ahead and tell you, we won't see his burial uh, this morning. That actually happens later in the book, but we studied much of that uh, years ago when we uh, studied the life of Joseph, and so we looked at some of that during that series. And so today, we're going to leave this series that we've called, He's Still Working on Me, And I hope if you've been with us for the series that you have seen just how much Jacob is like us. He was a work in progress. He was messed up in so many ways. And yet God patiently and purposefully kept working on him. And God didn't give up on him. And God didn't abandon him. And he didn't wash his hands and walk away. Uh, No, he lovingly and patiently changed him and molded him. Uh, like the unknown author that uh, wrote the following, Jacob could have said this, The Lord is my shepherd. I am one of his sheep. I am safe in his pasture, awake or asleep. His watching is constant. He knows me by name. He knows every weakness, yet he loves me the same. That was true for Jacob. And child of God, that's true for you and for me today. What a blessing to know that he knows every weakness. He knows us through and through, yet He loves us just the same. And uh, if you've yet to see, if you've been with us and you've yet to see how similar our lives are to Jacob, then this chapter is my final proof. And if I can't convince you today, then I give up, okay? You can't be convinced. Uh, In fact, I called today's message, the last message in this series, Life Goes On. And you know, the last time we studied Jacob... Uh, I was really uh, encouraged. I went home, chapter 34, you know, is that very unusual passage. And I went home and one of my sons, I won't say which one, said to me, he said, that sermon this morning was weird. (laughs) And it was. Genesis 34 was weird and it was hard. It was unusual. There's no mention of God. But I'm glad to say that chapter 35 is full of the Lord and you're going to see them through and through. So here's what I want to do. I want us just to read the first four verses to get started. Then keep it open in your lap because we're going to keep referencing back to it. But for time's sake, we'll just read the first four verses and then we'll go through the passage together. Genesis 35, verses 1 through 4. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother, And Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was by Shechem. Now, I'll just be honest with you, there's so much in this chapter, we're just going to scratch the surface. But I want you to notice again just how much Jacob's life is like our life, okay? Notice, first of all, we find him here dealing with sin in his family. Dealing with sin in his family. Now, you know Jacob was a sinner. His wives were sinners. His children were sinners. And so were his servants. Every family has that in common. Every family listening to me this morning, every one of us, uh, our families are made up of sinners, And that's why we have so many problems in our lives and so many frustrations and so many trials. 
especially when we do not handle our sin in a biblical way, in a way that God has instructed us to uh, handle it. But notice what Jacob's dealing with here in his family. We notice in these first four verses that there were false gods in Jacob's home. Uh, look at what it says there in verse 4. They gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them. In other words, he buried them under the terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. There were false gods in Jacob's home. And you say, well, how in the world could this be? This is the patriarch. This is Jacob. Uh, this is the one we look at. And how in the world could there be false gods in his home and in his life? Well, beloved, don't act so surprised. How often are we guilty of the same thing? Uh, giving more time, more attention, more awe uh, to something other than God. Uh, we are constantly battling this whole idea of idolatry, of where we get our time and our resources and our attention. Well, we've got to do what they did here, put away our false gods, repent, change our minds, change our direction, change our behavior, and return to God. And we find here that God called Jacob back to himself. He said, come back to Bethel. Come back to the place that I met you. And maybe this morning you're in a backslidden condition. You know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And yet you know that you're in a point in your life right now where you're not serving Him as you ought. And, and maybe there's some sin in your life. And so I say to you, return, repent, go back to God and renew your fellowship with Him this morning. And by the way, unless you think that you can deal with family sin once and for all, think again. We find in this passage that we have at the beginning false gods within their home, and then we keep reading, and we get down, we find another family member in sin. Look at verse 22. Grievous sin. And it happened when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben, remember his firstborn son, that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. So there's idolatry. Here we have um, uh, sexual sin. And as long as we live in the flesh, we're going to battle the flesh. We're going to struggle with our sin. And we've got to become experts at repentance. We've got to become experts at repentance. And so he dealt with sin in the life of his family. And we do the same. But you know, not all of it was sad and gloomy in Jacob's home. There was joy as well. In this passage, as we continue reading, we also find that there was the birth of a baby. The birth of a baby. Look at verse 16. It says in verse 16, Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now you remember that Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife, and you, if you wonder if they're messed up, just that phrase I just said uh, tells you what's going on in their lives. But uh, his favorite wife was giving birth to yet another baby. This would be Jacob's twelfth son, uh, known as Benjamin. Now, notice God has blessed him in a wonderful way. Look at verses 23 through 26. And we kind of have a rundown of the family, of the sons. Genesis 35, verse 23. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Verse 24. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. Verse 25. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, were Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah, verse 26, Leah's maidservant, were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Pandanaram. We know as the twelve tribes of Jacob. And so God has blessed him in a wonderful way. 
God has made him fruitful and he's multiplying. But as you probably already know, if you've studied this in the past, if you grew up in Sunday school, this celebration, this birth of a baby was actually very short-lived. Because it says in verse 16 that she had hard labor. Now notice verses 17 through 19. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. We'll talk more about that later. Verse 19, So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. This brings us to the next thing that makes Jacob so similar to us. And that is the death of loved ones. If we had taken the time to read the entire passage, you would notice there are actually three funerals that take place in this passage. The first one we find is Deborah. Uh, This is Rebecca, that is Jacob's mother's nurse. Look at verse 8. Now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree, so the name of it was called Alan Bakuth. This is possibly Jacob's nanny. The fact that she is with Jacob's family probably means that Jacob's mother had already died. And now Deborah's with them and Deborah dies. Then, of course, we have the death of Rachel. We just read about that in verse 18. Oh, the sorrow that must have brought to Jacob's heart this life that his beloved Rachel is dead. And then if you keep reading and you get down to verse 29... We find that Jacob's father dies. So Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Jacob endured what so many of us have to endure in life, and that is the death of our closest loved ones. The death of parents. The death of spouses. And so we have these things going on in our life. And um, Roger Ellsworth said, actually, with the sole exception of Job... So think about Job and all that he suffered. He thinks that no one in the Old Testament experienced more sorrow than Jacob. And that's quite a mouthful to think about. Nobody but Job suffered more than Jacob. Jacob understood what sorrow was all about and suffering and hardship. And like us, I assume that Jacob struggled with some of the same questions that we often wrestle with. Wondering why. Why did Rachel have to die? Uh, during this birthing. Why did she uh, leave me? But it's wonderful to see the growth in uh, Jacob's life. Wonderful to see the growth. In fact, um, if you look, it says in verse 19, so Jacob died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. I want you to notice the, the growth. Notice the next two verses. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Now I want you to notice verse 21. Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. I find it interesting that his new name is used there. His new name, Israel journeyed. He's learned to lean. He's learned to trust the Lord. And that's something we have to learn as well, beloved. Especially when death and sorrow comes into our, love, our lives because of our loved ones, we have to understand how to lean upon the Lord and trust the Lord. He reminds me of a man that I'd never heard of until this past week. It's 1932. 
A.M. Overton was a pastor in a church in Mississippi and he had a wife and three small children and his wife was pregnant with their fourth child. But when it came time for the delivery, there were complications and both she and the baby died. During the funeral service, the preacher officiating the service noticed, uh, and this is the granddaughter telling this part of the story, noticed my grandfather writing something on a piece of paper. After the service, the minister asked him about it and he handed him the paper and here's the poem that he had written on that paper. Now remember, this is the funeral for his fourth child and his wife. My father's way may twist and turn. My heart may throb and ache. But in my soul I'm glad to know He maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away. But still I'll trust my Lord to lead for He doth know the way. The night be dark and it may seem that day will never break. I'll pen my faith, my all in Him. He maketh no mistake. There's so much now I cannot see. My eyesight's far too dim, but come what may I'll simply trust and leave it all to Him. For by and by the mist will lift and plain it all He'll make. Through all the way, though dark to me, He made not one mistake. I knew the poem. I heard the poem, read the poem, but I never knew the story behind those words. And I wondered, do we really believe that? Have we grown in our faith to the point where we understand that God makes no mistakes? His way is perfect. His will is perfect. If we could see as God could see, if we could understand as God could understand, we would know that today. We've got to learn to trust and learn to lean and learn to know that God makes no mistakes. There's one more thing that um, Jacob learned and experienced, and we need to learn it as well. And that is he learned all about the faithfulness of God. Now, we've seen this theme running all throughout the life of Jacob. In fact, at times I've kind of felt like a broken record because I kept pointing back to the faithfulness of God. God has been faithful. God has been faithful. God has been faithful. And yet we find it over and over again in this story in Jacob's life. In fact, let me notice some ways in this passage where we find that um, God has been faithful to Jacob. Notice, first of all, that God was with him. God was with him. Notice verse 3. He said, Then let us arise and go up to Bethel. Thou make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. He acknowledged that God has been with me throughout all these years and all these hardships. God's with me. What a blessing that is. I told you, the hero of every story that we study is what? Who is it? It's God. God's the hero of the story. God was with him and God protected him. Verse 5. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. They said, what's that all about, preacher? Remember back in chapter 34, where they went in, they killed all those men in Shechem, and they, they looted the place, they took the, the uh, families and all their stuff, and they had vengeance in their heart. And then Jacob says, that, that, you know, you make my, my name uh, stink among all the inhabitants. They're going to rise up and they're going to, they're going to get me and they're going to kill us and so forth. And then we come to chapter 35, verse 5. 
and they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. God providentially protected them. When they could have been harmed, God protected them. And then notice God blessed them. God blessed him. Look at verses 9 through 13. We have kind of here a renewal, a, a, re, um, a going over the, the covenant. God speaking, verses 9 through 13. Then God appeared to Jacob again. You think about all that they've been through. God appears again. When he came from Pandanaram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I give to you. And to your descendants after you, I give this land. Then God went up from the place or from him in the place where he had talked with him. God has blessed him. By the way, I don't want to forget little Benjamin. Remember Benjamin who was born in this passage and his mother passed away. And you remember that um, she called him Ben-Onai. That has the meaning of, of this, son of my sorrow. Son of my sorrow. You know, she named him, she's dying. She says Ben-Onai, the son of my sorrow. But it says Jacob called him what? Benjamin. Do you know what that means? It means son of my right hand. I told you there's been growth. God's blessed him. Son of my sorrow. No, son of my right hand. I love what Warren Wiersbe said. Like Benjamin, our Lord Jesus is the son of sorrow. But he's also the son of the right hand. And here's what's interesting. You know that little baby that was born as, as Rachel's, her life is fleeing from her and she dies? Did you know it was the tribe of Benjamin that gave us the Apostle Paul? He came from the tribe of Benjamin. And so we find that that mother sacrificed for a rich harvest for the whole world. How grateful we are that God brought forth the Apostle Paul. You see, Jacob's life was not easy. Would you agree with that? If you've been with us, his life was not easy. And he's known hardship and, and sorrow and, and toil, all kinds of things. But God was faithful to bring much fruit from his life. In fact, you realize, beloved, it was through his family, through his line, that there was someone else born whose name is Jesus. He came through this line as well. Now, here comes the quandary for me. As I was preparing this message, how do I close out this sermon series? Some of you thought we'd never get to the close of the sermon series, but here we are. How do I close it out? And I ran across a story that fits so nicely with Jacob's life and Jacob's story and ours. And I want to share it with you in closing this morning. It was written by someone who only went by their initials the initial CHP. I don't think it was the California Highway Patrol either, but CHP. Here's what CHP wrote. We once saw a man draw some black dots. Black dots. 
We looked and could make nothing of them but an irregular assemblage of black dots. Then he drew a few lines. He put in a few rests. He put a cleft at the beginning. And we saw these black dots were musical notes. And on sounding them, we found that we were singing this song. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Y'all know that song? You've been here for any amount of time. We sing it every single Sunday, almost. Once in a while. We may not, but almost every Sunday without fail. And CHP wrote, there are many black dots and black spots in our lives. And we cannot understand why they're there or why God permitted them to come. But listen, if we'll let God come into our lives and adjust the dots in a proper way and draw the lines where He wants them and separate this from that and put rest in the proper places out of the black dots and spots of our life, He will make a glorious harmony. And CHP concluded by saying, let us not hinder this glorious work. I don't know why those dark spots are in your life right now. I don't know why those dark dots are coming across your path. But God does. If you'll let Him arrange them and take them and use them, He'll bring something glorious and something beautiful out of your life. Something that will truly be good for you and will glorify Him. You see, beloved, as we said as we started this series, He's still working on us to make us like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So let us trust Him, lean upon Him, and rest in Him, and let Him have His way with us to bring about much glory for Him and the ultimate good for us. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow in this closing of this series as we've looked at message after message of how You have faithfully worked in Your servant Jacob. And Father, we take much confidence and much encouragement to know that You're working in our lives as well. And though we can't understand exactly why things happen the way they do or why things come into our lives, Lord, we know that we can trust You. We can lean on You. And we can allow You to do a wonderful work for our good and for Your glory. I pray if anybody here does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that Your Holy Spirit would draw them to Yourself right now. And for those who do, I pray that you'll minister your grace and your help in their life as well. Thank you. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn this morning, I couldn't think of anything more appropriate than to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness, number 54 in your hymn book.
If you need to be saved today, we'd love to lead you to the cross. I'll be down at the front if you'll just come let me know that. We would love to help you to understand the gospel and to place your faith in Christ. But today's message was primarily for believers. Maybe you've got some dark spots, some dots in your life today. You want to come and talk to the Lord about those and bow before Him and say, Lord, here I am. I trust You. I lean on You. The altar is open as we stand and sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Number 54, let's stand and sing.